We hope you enjoy this podcast from Light Church Edithburg. To find out more about us, visit lightchurch.co. Welcome to church today. If you don't know me, my name's Ben. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's great to have you here. And uh, we're continuing our series, Good News People. Uh, once we came back from a bit of a few months off due to the COVID situation, we've been talking about the good news. And if you heard the word gospel, uh, that's translated to good news. And it's the life and work of Jesus, that God himself came, lived a perfect life, uh, laid down his life, took sin and death onto himself, so that by faith, not by what we do, not by our works, by faith in him alone, we have life, we have freedom. And we've just been going deeper. Because if you hear good news long enough, it can become normal news. I don't know if you've ever... Uh, I'll give you an example. When I grew up, I played footy for a team who won lots. And that was just normal news. We won. Now I play footy for a team and we don't win a lot. So when we win, it's good news. Right. But this isn't just normal news. This is the best news. This is, the, this is really good news. That God himself came to give us life, to give us freedom. And we've been going deeper. We've been looking at, okay, what does this forgiveness mean? What does this... Because Jesus isn't just ticking the box and going to heaven. Heaven's real, eternity is real. But Jesus didn't come just so we can tick the box and go to heaven. He came to bring heaven on earth, to bring freedom, to bring forgiveness, to bring rest, uh, to, to close the gap. And so we've just been going deeper. And now we're, we're, we're altering, not altering, but talking about being good news people. Because this best news, the good news, isn't just for a Sunday kumbaya get-together. It's for the Monday, it's for the Tuesday, it's for everyday life. If this is the best news, if this is good news, this shouldn't just be a, a feel-good moment on a Sunday if we can get there, but it should affect our work, our family, our life, every part. And so we're just going to, what does it look like to live, to work, to just be a human in light of the good news? And so I'm just going to pray, then we'll get into it. God, I thank you that this is your church, this is your word. Have your way in this place today, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, whether we like it or not, our family has a pretty big impact on who we become. Whether it's from how we look. Some of us feel better about that than others. Or whether it's how we act, our traits. All these little things, our family has a big impact on who we become. Uh, my, my dad is Darren, if you're visiting you didn't know. And, uh, and Thomas, yes, you're my brother. And uh, I've, got, I've had a few things passed down. I'm not really like either of my mum or dad in personality. I'm just a whole other ball game. Um, but I've got a few things from my dad. And, and one of them is larger legs. And not as much now, or even Darren, because we're not in the peak of our physical ability, but uh, what happens is our, our quads can be disproportionately large compared to the rest of our lower half. Uh, for instance, when I was really uh, running and doing lots, my, my waist was about three, about three sizes bigger than my legs. So waist was three times smaller than my legs. And so buying pants was a nightmare. I'd pop buttons in the change room. I'd, I'd rip them constantly. And uh, Darren had the same issue. If we got my mother up here, Kerry, she would tell you that it, never, it almost didn't happen because of the size of his legs. Isn't that true, Kerry? That was a, it was a true worry. And, and I, I, I inherited that, and so now I like to go to the gym and it relaxes me, but I never do leg day. 
Because if I do legs, I'm in trouble. And I'm never wearing jeans again. I'll just have to wear those baggy basketball shorts. And, and I, I've, I've, I've inherited pretty well. I'm pretty blessed, really. And, but who knows, sometimes it's, you get a few strange traits from your parents. And, and often what you'll find, what happens sometimes in the grandfather, happens in the father, happens in the son. What the grandmother does, sometimes the daughter does, and sometimes the granddaughter does. And, and sometimes that's a really healthy thing. But sometimes it's not as great. Sometimes there's mindsets that you seem to pass down, or there seem to be attitudes. And sometimes it can be you know, silly things like your hairline, or the way you prepare a meal, or things like that. But sometimes it, it goes to mindsets, or negative thinking or even diseases or you know I work in a school and and sometimes you see a generational where dads walk out sometimes you see generations of different substance abuse and it seems to pass down sometimes and a lot of people refer to it as like a generational curse and it's not like a witch created a curse or anything but it a curse can be defined as a great deal of harm or misfortune. And it's crazy sometimes how many of these things kind of can be passed down in family. But I don't think it's just family. Some stuff, I, I think it's culturally as well. I love our Australian culture, but there's some stuff I don't like. And it seems to be, it's like it's inevitable. It seems to pass down. Socially, there's a whole lot of things as well. We'll go into it in a minute. But I want to go back to a point in time where this... this stuff, that's not a very elegant word, but this stuff, this curse, all this stuff came into the world, and it's back at the beginning in Genesis, and we're reading for Genesis at the moment, so grab a, grab a reading plan as you go out, but God created a perfect world, how it was intended to be, perfect relationship between humanity and God, walking in a garden, no sin, no pain, uh, you imagine a perfect world, that's it. And if you've been around church at all, you might know a bit of the story. Long story short, uh, the serpent, which is the devil, uh, tempted Eve to eat the fruit. See, there was one tree they couldn't eat of, the tree of the knowledge and good of evil. Because we said, God, why'd you put the tree in there? Well, we need to have a, a choice to choose to follow God. Without a choice, it's not real love. Real love has to be a choice. Real following has to be a choice. And so they, one tree they couldn't eat of, and they ate of the tree. And then that's when this sin, this curse, this pain came into the world. We read it in Genesis chapter 3, verse 14. And it said, Then the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed. More than all the animals, domestic and wild, you will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy. Ladies, that's why. Natalia said it was my fault when she was in labour. Is she in there? She tell me off. Is she in there? And you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. And then to the man, he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. And all your life, you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow, you will have food to eat you until you return to the ground from which you were made. From you are made from dust, and you will return. And that's, they, they chose their way over God's way. And for the rest of humanity, we've followed that. And this pain, this sin, this curse has come into the world. And we can get angry at Adam and Eve. 
saying, why would you eat from the tree? Why would you ruin it for all of us? And I, can, I used to understand that mindset until I realized if I was there, I would have done, I, I might not have eaten from the tree, but I would have done something else. And then you'd all blame me. So it's really a sign of humanity choosing our way over God's way, and I'm sure we've all been there. Right. And this is when this curse, you know, these family things handed down, the negative mindsets, the attitudes, the addictions, the, the way we do life can be passed down. You know, I talked about the Aussie culture, and then there's some things I love about Aussie culture, there's some things I don't. The, the drinking, the, 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 we love to, I'd hate to be a politician in this country, you get teared down pretty easily. The tearing down and different things about culture, even the country. Nothing good can come from the country. You know, socially, there's these things that seem to just happen, be inevitable. The mental health struggles, the social media things, that, uh, what's normal for marriage and divorce, and, and all these things just seem to be kind of curses or things that people go through, and it just seems to sometimes be inevitable. And I want to let you know, with Jesus, it doesn't have to be this way. Whether it's family, social, cultural, another whole box, Jesus came to change the script. He came to change what is happening. And the good news that overcomes all of the bad news is that Jesus came to reverse the curse. Jesus came to reverse the curse. So there's that stuff in our family that's handed down, and we can do something different because Jesus came to change the story. There might be one way, one norm in our culture, but Jesus said, hey, through me you can do something different. It might be socially normal to struggle with things or go through things and deal with addictions and habits, but with Jesus, he says, hey, I've actually come to bring something different. He came to reverse it. He came to change it. Romans 5.18 says, Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life. Adam, we're Adam in this. We chose our way over God's way. But Jesus, Jesus is God himself. He says, hey, I'm going to come to earth and I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to reconcile you. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to take sin and death onto myself. So what? I'll bring right relationship. Because humanity, Adam and Eve, chose their way over God's way. But God said, I'm going to come and I'm going to restore humanity to me. We were dead in sin, but God said, hey, I'm going to bring you to me. He came to us in Jesus, and to, not just to bring us to himself, but to give us a new life, a new way of living. Not to just punch our ticket to heaven, but to have a new way of living. And this was actually God's plan from the start. I read that in Genesis before, and it says, then the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than the animals. Verse 15, and I will cause hostility. And it says, he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. What does that mean? It talks about the offspring. Well, from Adam and Eve, you go down the genealogy, Seth, Noah, Abraham, David, comes eventually Jesus, the offspring. And it says... He will strike your head. Jesus defeated sin and death once and for all. That was the promise from the start. And while the enemy strike the heel, guess what? He defeated death. Jesus came to change the story. He came to change the script. 
There's freedom. 2 Corinthians 3.17, For the Lord is spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. John 8.36, So if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. Romans 8, So now there is no condemnation, you are freed. The Bible is explicit about freedom. There's freedom in the name of Jesus. And I can say there's freedom, but then there's actually living in freedom. <laughs> it's a great word to say, freedom. It's a little bit harder to live and put in the prayer. I don't know if you've experienced that. And we've all got, for like a, a very, not a very elegant word, like I said before, we've all got stuff. <laughs> Family, cult, you name it. We've all got that, something in our life which we'd love freedom for. And maybe it's something that we started to walk in freedom. Maybe it's something for our community beyond us. But there's, there's that freedom. And sometimes it's habits. Sometimes it's mindsets. Sometimes it's a way of living. Sometimes it's a family thing. I know me, me and my wife, there's a, there's a history of uh, breast cancer in her family. Quite an explicit history. So I know we're, we're speaking freedom over that. So it can come in all forms and shapes and sizes. And I don't think there's a five-step plan to find freedom. I don't think there's a five-step plan. I don't think, okay, you do this, 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 and this, and you'll find freedom. Off you go. I think it's relative. I think in a moment you can find freedom and be delivered. And I think sometimes it can take a lot of years with a lot of help. But we read a lot of people in the Bible who are living in freedom. And I just want to look at one gentleman and how he found freedom. And I think we can just start to unpack that a bit. And, and I'm going to read it. It's in Mark 2, verse 1. And it says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum seven days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat and walk? So I'll prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat and walk and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat and walked out through to the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God. Set the scene. We're in a... Jesus teaching in the house. The following's building. It's packed out. There's not the windows, they're crowded, the door's crowded, you can't even get a look in. And, and these friends hear about Jesus and they want to bring their friend who needs healing, their paralyzed friend, but they can't get him in. So they do something quite radical and go on the roof, rip the roof open, lower him down, Jesus heals him. I want to pack it a bit more, but if that's not freedom, I don't know what is. You know, he found spiritual freedom. Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. He found physical healing and freedom. But do you know back then, if you had a kind of illness or disability, it was assumed it was because of sin in your family up to 10 generations ago. Now, I know my dad. 
I know my grandpa. I don't know any other brawns. I've got no idea what they did, but I'm sure sometimes it wasn't great. If, if that was true, generational curses, I'd be, I'd be in big trouble. So when Jesus met this gentleman who was loaded on a mat, he brought freedom, not just from the physical, not just the spiritual, but the generational curse that followed him. So to find freedom, we need to be in community. Freedom comes in community. The man, the paralyzed man, was not getting to Jesus without friends. It just practically wouldn't happen. He could want it more than anything. But he was not getting to Jesus without his friends, bringing him, carrying him all the way. Jesus actually turned to them and said, because of their faith. You know, your faith and my faith can bring miracles to other people. You know, in community, we need community to find freedom. We need community to support us, to carry us. Sometimes we're down and we need someone to drag us up and say, come on, there's more. Sometimes we can get used to these stories if we've been around church a bit. Imagine the vulnerability needed to be the man paralysed. You physically can't move. Imagine having no control and just being carried. Imagine getting there and it's busy and you're thinking, okay, we'll go home. Now we're going to put you on the roof. And you've got no control of that. Imagine being lowered into the middle of a meeting and not knowing if you're going to get healed or not. What if it doesn't work? Think about that. What if, what if Jesus didn't heal him? What if you're just a poor paralyzed man lowered in the middle and you've ruined someone's house and you have to be brought back up? Here to be so vulnerable. See, there's going to be times in community we're going to have to let people in. We're going to have to let people carry us and support us. We need community. We're all going to have highs. We're all going to have lows. And in community, we can carry and bring and stand with each other. If we want to live in freedom, we need to be in community. Another really, I think, simple but essential point is you've got to get close to Jesus. The reason why they lowered him through the roof is because to get him healing, to get him freedom, they needed to get him right to Jesus. If you want freedom, you've just got to get close to Jesus. Get close. Now, I've talked to uh, lots of people who struggle with different things. And we get this kind of guilt and condemnation when we do something we know we shouldn't, but we do it anyway. And our tendency, like Adam and Eve, is to go and hide from God. So I did something, I looked at something, or I did something I know I wasn't meant to. Okay, God, I'll mean you'll have some space for a few days. You know, God, if you're here, I'll just kind of relax back here a bit. And in a few days, I'll kind of come back and read my Bible again or talk to you, and we'll just, we'll just have some space. But the answer isn't. The answer is to run back to Jesus. Freedom comes with close proximity to God. If you want freedom, you've got to get close to Jesus. You've got to be in community. You've got to be close to Jesus. Another thing I think is really simple but really essential is the man was healed, then he walked out. Imagine if he said, okay, I'm healed, but can you guys carry me back home? Laid back down on his mat. All right, boys, <laughs> up we go. It's simple, but when we experience freedom, we're meant to go out another way, walk out another way. 
See, Jesus says, come to me. He says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That means freedom is a promise. It's not an if, but, or maybe. It's a promise. There is freedom in Jesus. But then we've got to put it into our lives. We've got to put it into action. For instance, we can have freedom from our past. But what if we spend the night reflecting on all our mistakes? That's not walking out another way. We can have freedom, uh, freedom from insecurity, but then we go and listen to the wrong voices and compare ourselves on social media. You know, when we find freedom, we're going to walk out another way. I remember for a number of years, I'd be in a church setting or something like that, or just spending time with God, and God would really put on my heart prayer. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good idea. Yeah, I need that, I need that. You know, my Bible reading is good, my prayers are a bit, uh, I struggle with it a bit. Yeah, I should do something about that. No, no, I don't. And then a few months later, God put prayer in my heart again. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember you talked to me. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's good. That'd be really good. And I didn't really do anything. And then it kind of went away. But another few months happened. And this went on for about two years. So I got to the point where I'm like, man, God, you've talked to me about this quite a few times now. Like, I actually have to do something different. It's not just going to happen. And so I had, to, I had to find a time. And so what I did is I found my morning routine. And I'm not a big one on finding set routines, but I had to do it at the start to get it happening. And so now, now I have the most freeing, incredible time with God in prayer. And I love it. If I don't have it in the morning, I just feel like off. And I'm refreshed. I have freedom. I find I hear God's voice. And I was thinking, imagine if I just would have done that a couple of years earlier. Just actually listen to God's voice because he had so much for me. But I had to take action. See, when you find freedom, when you meet Jesus, you've got to put it into practice. And sometimes it will get in the way of your routines, a way of doing things like myself. But there's so much more. So to, to find and live in freedom, I think a few essential things. You've got to be in community, you've got to get close to Jesus, and you've got to walk out differently. But we need to be a church, a community of faith, that can be a place where people can experience freedom. So I'm talking to us as an individual, to find freedom, you've got to be in community. You've got to get close to Jesus, and you've got to walk out another way. But for us, now I'm going to talk to us as a community of faith. What we need to do to be a church, to be a community of faith where people can come and find freedom. And the first thing is, uh, we've got to bring people. We've got to carry them in. That paralyzed man was not getting there without his friends. And I don't know if you've ever carried a dead weight. Sometimes that wouldn't have been easy. It would have been inconvenient. And, and imagine pulling open someone's roof. It would have been very awkward. <laughs> That's the nature sometimes of bringing or carrying people to Jesus. But look at what happened. The miracle that was at the end. Hey, the Great Commission, go out. Make disciples. What's, that? What's a disciple? Someone who follows Jesus. We go out and bring in. Sometimes it's going to be inconvenient, awkward, messy, messy but it's worth it. We're going to be people to introduce others to Jesus. And the second thing as a church we've got to know is it might get messy. Imagine if we were having our church meeting at Annie's house and then it was full, so I just got up on Annie's roof. Have you got tiles or tin? Tin. Just cut a hole in the tin. All the mess comes down. 
If you've ever been to Annie's house, it's one of the cleanest houses you've ever seen. And this makes a huge mess. We've got to know, if people are going to come find freedom, church might get a bit messy. Someone might steal your seat or make a bit of noise. That's, that's pretty... I'm underdoing it here. We've got to be ready to walk with people in mess. Jesus was never scared of people's mess. He went to the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the demon-possessed. He was happy to spend a bit of time with them. As a community of faith, if you're a part of this community of faith, I've got to let you know we've got to be okay with mess. We actually got to love it because there's miracles in the mess. And another thing as a church, we've got to we've got to bring, we've got to be okay with mess, and we have to remember it's only Jesus that brings freedom. It's not us. It's not the church. Everything leads people to Jesus. Jesus is the one and only who brings freedom and life. You know, freedom's here for all of us. There's a verse I think we look over and don't really comprehend sometimes. In Ephesians 1.19 it says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. That's a pretty big statement. Understand the greatness of God's power for us, which is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. So God's power in you and me is the same that raised Jesus. You know, Romans 8, verse 37 says, it says, Now, in all these things we are more than conquerors. What's more than a conqueror? Just a really good conqueror? If Sarah conquers an addiction... She's a conqueror. But when she goes and helps Maggie, she's more than a conqueror. See, we, have, we find freedom in Jesus, but it's, it's not meant to stay with us. That freedom is meant to go on and forth to our families, to our community, to our society. Luke 4.18, this is Jesus talking about himself, which is actually a prophecy about himself. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released, the blind will see, and the oppressed will be set free, and the time of the Lord's favour has come. What's he saying? He's anointed, that God's with him, to tell people, not just the poor, but anyone who needs God, that he's there ready for them, that he's going to bring freedom. He's going to bring people to a place where they can see Jesus. That's what Jesus is saying. That's his anointing. And remember, the same power that's within raised cross is in us. So God anoints me and you to take the good news out to those who need it, to set people free and let the blind see. See, there's freedom in Jesus. But then it's not meant to stay with us. It's meant to go to our family, to our community, to our society. Now, I love um, Pastor Don, who isn't here at the moment, he's quite crook actually, who founded this church, picked up my dad for Sunday school on a bus. And that was how he was introduced to Jesus. 
Now, twofold there, Pastor Don was making cultural and society change by introducing kids to Jesus. And then my dad, growing up and following faith, was making a generational change. My auntie Karen took my mum along to church. And I came a little bit later. She was making generational society. I'm in a place where I could grow up knowing Jesus because of the change that happened in my parents. They found freedom and they passed it on. And now my kids get to reap the rewards. That's more than a conqueror. But it's not just family. It's community. It's friendships. It's socially. When we find freedom from these things that hang over our community, when we find freedom in marriages and family, when we find freedom in things like comparison, insecurity and mental health, we can take it. Take it to others. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The good news is there is freedom. That's good news. But the good news people is taking that freedom. Taking that freedom out. 